Amen. Thank you, Matt, for that special. Turn with me your Bibles to Genesis chapter number six this morning. Genesis chapter six. So good to see you today. See that you are all thawed out and here in church. <clears throat> My wife and I were away a couple days this week, and um, we were out west. And so we, um, we didn't get to experience the, the, the freezing temperatures. We left our kids to fend for themselves, and uh, they went through it by themselves. And we came back, and they're, they're all alive. They're all there and getting along. And so we're glad that you're here today. I think it was three Sundays in a row. It was uh, just snowy and and uh, no service two weeks ago. And I think this last Wednesday, we even had to cancel our services due to the weather. And um, how many of you love winter? How many of you love spring? Yeah, how many of you are loving spring right now? Well, what, can't wait for it. Yeah. It's quiet today. How come you're so quiet? Huh? Still frozen? <laughs> Someone said, I'm still frozen. That's why. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and I pray that you would allow the Word of God to speak to you today. And I want to, I want to uh, uh, address some things here today, and you'll see as we get into our, uh, our study here today. But in Genesis chapter number 6, in verse number 5, <clears throat> Genesis 6, 5, the Bible says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How many of you would say this? It sounds almost like you're describing the, the world today, doesn't it? And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his, at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse number eight is such an encouraging verse because up until verse number eight, what we just read was this, that God, that God was, was sorry. He, when he looked at his creation, when he looked at mankind, it repented him that he even made man. And think how evil, how wicked mankind has gotten to this place. It came to the place where God said, the best thing I can do is destroy mankind. And this, is a, this ought to grieve our hearts because the purpose of God making mankind was to fellowship with man. He, he made man. It, it, it was the only thing when God created the earth, he, he spoke into existence the sun, the moon, the stars. He spoke into existence the, the, the trees and the, and the things that we see but it was man that he formed out of the dust of the ground and, and breathed into man in his nostrils, the breath of life. You don't find anywhere in scripture where God breathed into anything else, the breath of life, like he did man. The purpose of man was this. Every, everything else, God created the beast of the field. He had Adam name, but it was man that God named. And God sought to fellowship with man and God would come into the, the garden, the Bible says, in the, in the garden of Eden and in the cool of the day and he'd fellowship with man. But sin destroyed all that. And we find not too far into the history of mankind, we find where the Bible says that man was wicked. 
and it was that wickedness was great upon the earth. But look with me in verse number eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In verse number 12, and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of the all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them, uh, them with the earth. It's almost like you're turning on the news, the evening news and watching what's happening, the events of our world. You, you turn on the news and you, you hear of, of cities with another murder. You, you hear of law enforcement that murdered. You, you, you hear of, of, of just vile and disgusting crimes. But I, I, I think this past week, I think this past week, we've probably heard some of the most disgusting, vile, wicked, murderous things that we've ever heard. And God cannot be pleased. When we here in our country, in a state of our country, our country was founded upon biblical principles. And I know they've taken that out of history and you, you, you couldn't, you probably have to search hard in some areas to, to find that truth. But the reality is this, our, our country was founded upon Christian values. It was founded upon the word of God. But we have come so far from that day and from that time. We've come so far that the, the state of New York has voted and the, the, the governor has signed where they could murder, murder children. And, and I think the saddest thing that we saw was when they all got up and clapped like this was some kind of victory. I, I want to remind you, and I don't have the time this morning to go through, but I want to remind you what God told his people he, he desired for his people not to mix with others than worshiped God. And, and the reason was he wanted his people to worship him and only him. God gave a commandment that to worship no other God. But, but there was an event that took place. Whenever people began to worship Baal and other gods, something would always come alongside of that. And what you would always find throughout human history, when, when they began to worship Baal and began to worship other gods, child sacrifice would always come along with that. Our country is turning its, its, its heart from God. It's turning its attention from God. We, we see that even in our, our, our Congress, where at one time those that sat and formed Originally, that Congress, they formed it and instituted biblical principles. Now they're taking the, the, the uh, uh, um, God out of even the pledge as they, as they are sworn into Congress. They, they want to remove anything to do with God, but they applaud the sins, the wickedness of mankind. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter number one, if you would, please. 
Romans chapter 1. New Testament, go to the Gospels, just a few books after the last Gospel, go to Romans chapter number 1. Look with me in verse number 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a propate mind to, to do those things which are not convenient. Bible begins to give a list of things. They're not right. They're not normal. What causes a man to get to this place is, is a reprobate mind, wickedness, evil unrighteousness, fornication, and goes through and names some things. And then I want you to see toward the end of this verse, murder, debate, deceit, murder. Verse number 30, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. You, you realize that my wife and I, I spoke at a, a conference this week. Um, uh, and it was a conference that was in Las Vegas. And someone said the offerings have been down for the last three weeks. So you and your wife went to Vegas and um, it's not the case. She might've, but no, I'm kidding. I spoke at a pastor's conference at a church there. And um, I said to my wife, let's, let's drive down this, this strip and let's just, it, it only took one time driving down the strip. My wife said, I, I was sitting at a stoplight and, and my wife said, look at that. And, and I went to look and she says, don't look at that. And it was something I didn't need to be looking at. And I said, well, you told me to. And she said, but I, I didn't mean for you to. And we, we saw all of the, the, the lights, the glitz, the glamour. And, and I, I said to her, I said, do you realize this? All of this is paid for by wickedness and sin. Nobody wins, they lose. The marriages that have been broken, the vile sin that takes place. I, I heard this, this just yesterday, last evening, the Super Bowl getting ready for this big event that's going to take place. Is that this evening? I don't know, I go to church on Sunday nights. I'm not sure what takes place this evening. But they said over 40 people have been arrested in Atlanta for sex trafficking due to the people that are coming to watch the Super Bowl. The drunkenness that'll take place. The filth that will take place. You said, are you preaching against football? I'm preaching against sin. We, we've come to the place where it's become entertainment in our nation. It's come to a place where we see these things happening. And, and if we're not careful, Christian, we just, we just think things become normal. This is just normal. But what's happening in our nation, what's happening in our world is not right. And it's, it's, it's wickedness. And God's going to bring judgment. And look with me in verse number 32. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same. Listen, this is what they're saying. This is what, what, what the author is saying. They know it's wrong and they do it. They know this is wrong. 
but they continue to be involved in it in even worse, but have pleasure in them that do them. And as I watched this, this past week, as I, as I watched them stand in the New York uh, uh, State House and applaud this bill, as I've watched people applaud this, this, this act, this wickedness that's taking place, I thought of this verse taking pleasure in people's sin. We've got people that are applauding, mocking God and applauding sin. God help us. God help us. I watched the newscast and probably some of you, most of you watch this as well. A politician asked another politician in Virginia that was sponsoring a bill and ask this question, so if the mother is dilated, the baby could still be aborted. And the female lawmaker said, according to the bill, yes. And people applaud. They say this, that there's some six, maybe six other states that are looking to do the same as New York State and Virginia has proposed to do in this nation. And people applaud. And my question that I want to look at us today is this, how does a Christian respond? How, how does a Christian respond? I know how my flesh wants to respond. My, it, get, it got to the point this week, I, I just had to turn the TV off. I said to Michelle, I, I just can't listen to this anymore. How, how many of you got that way? You just, you just couldn't take any more of it. But I believe this, there is a proper way for a Christian to respond. And I wanna look at that. I wanna help us here today. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, if you would please, chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Are you with me this morning? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And there is a way that Christians need to respond. Verse, 1 Corinthians 13, verse number one, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I've become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. As though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and the knowledge and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity, charity envieth not, charity, charity vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there is prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And look with me in verse number 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. And that word charity means love. And I, I would say this and hear me out through this entire message. But I believe this, the 
first way that every Christian ought to respond is in love. Is in love. You say, no, we ought to take pickets and go down and, 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 and act like wicked people act. And I'm not against picketing and doing those things, but I am against if we put ourselves and behave. The Bible says this in verse five, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. You never respond to evil with evil. Paul is saying you respond to it with love. I want you to think of this. There was a time in your life that you were dead in trespasses and sin. There was a time that God looked upon all human race and said, it repenteth me that I even made mankind. It came to the place where mankind was wicked, but God still sent his son. Jesus Christ was sent to this earth, came to this earth, willingly came and gave of himself so that you and I could be redeemed back to God. The most wicked, vile sins that have ever been committed, Jesus Christ came and he became that upon the cross. I believe this, we ought to respond in love. I had a, had a fella in our church call me this week. And he said, Pastor, I, I don't know what to do. He said, I am one of the, one of the most, most loyal pro-life supporters there are. He said, I, I'm involved in the pro-life movement. And my daughter just called me and told me she had an abortion. And he says, I'm angry. I'm mad. I, 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 she knows how I feel about this and told me the, uh, the context of what was going on. And he said, I, I don't know what to do. And I said to him this, show her the love of Christ. He says, are you going to compromise? No. Uh, abortion is murder. It's wicked. It's sin. I said to him, show her Christ's love. You, you, you could get mad and, 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 and ruin that relationship. I said, or you can show her the same love Christ showed you. I think about this as we preach and I've preached against abortion. I've preached against uh, sinful lifestyles. You've heard that, you know that preached against those things. But I also in my mind understand this, as we preach against those things, maybe even today there's someone in our church that had an abortion. Maybe it was a situation in their teenage years or their young, young years. And, 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 and maybe, maybe there's also a, a, a grandfather. And, and now I realize this in, my, in our church, there's a grandfather that would sit here that said to me this, I'll never see that child. And that angers me. I reminded him what David said, you might not be able to come to me, but I'm going to come to you. Reminded him that. 
And I want you to know this, that, that as, we, as we preach hard against sin and we preach hard against these things, as we look at God's word and we find that these things are evil and, 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 and wicked, we're still supposed to show Christ's love. In every single sin that's ever been committed by any mankind, any man or any woman, Jesus Christ took that sin upon the cross and he can still forgive you and he will forgive you. I want you to also see this, number two, I want you to write this down. One is I believe this, that we ought to respond in love. Listen, hateful things said toward things that were done wicked and evil doesn't fix anything. And I hope you hear my heart today. We're not going to respond to evil with evil. We're not going to respond to all those that clap and I hope every one of them die and, 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 and go to hell. You know what the reality is? Every one of those that clapped, I hope every one of them are introduced to Jesus Christ and they repent of their sin. I've heard this said before. How much do you have to hate someone? How much do you have to hate someone to wish that they would spend eternity in hell? God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's spirit toward you and I, when we were enemies of God, was he sent his son while we were dead in trespasses and sin. He loved us and he sent his son. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's not the, the, the earth itself. That's you and that's me. That's humankind. God loved you and me so much that he sent his son. Well, I'm a, I'm a vile, wicked, evil sinner and God still loved me and he sent his son. Listen to me, I think this. I, 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 I heard a message. I'm not even gonna tell you the pastor's name because I don't, I, don't, I don't even want you to ever... I don't ever want you to find this man on the internet because I would hate for you to even listen to him. But this man gets up and he, and, he, and he is offensive and cruel, hateful. That's no way to respond. That's no way to to respond. Paul says this, look with me in verse number one, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, have not love, I am become of sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. You you could get up and and, and have the greatest of speech and, and enamor people with your words, but if you don't have love, it's useless. Christian, we, we could say that we are on the side of right and, and we're on the biblical side, but if we, don't, if we don't have love, we're not gonna attract anyone to our message. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, what does he say? I am nothing. I want you to see this, number two. Would you write this down? 1 Corinthians 15, turn there, just a page over or so. Number one, I believe this, we ought to respond in love. Number two, I believe this, we ought to respond by being steadfast. Look what 
Paul says to the church here, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As this church is seeing these events unfold, we are to remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, what? In the work of the Lord. Listen to me, it's no time to quit. I had someone say to me this, I just want to take my family and move my family and, and, and just move it as far away from society as I possibly can and just raise my family. And I'm say, I said this to this person, that's not Bible. God didn't put you here on this earth to remove yourself from it all. So you, the, the earth just continues its downward, evil, wicked spiral. And you're okay because you're living on the backside of nowhere all by yourself, raising your family in a bubble. That's not what God put you here to do. He put us here upon this earth to be a light. Instead of cursing the darkness, let's take light into the darkness. Instead of giving up and, and, and quitting, instead of that, we ought to remain steadfast, unmovable. Listen to me, what, what he's saying is this, what you know is truth, live out that truth. Don't compromise. I took our senior class last Friday, or uh, I think it was last Friday in my office, we were talking about a few things, and I, then I just took and bore my heart to him, and I said, what do you guys think of what's happening in New York State? What do you think? And, and I realize I'm, I'm raising children in a very, very different world than I lived in. And many of you lived in and were raised in. Very different world. I took my daughters uh, to the zoo uh, uh, several months ago, whenever it was zoo weather. <laughs> um, and one of my daughters said to my wife, why are all these girls holding hands together? We're, we're, and I began to look and I thought, wow, she's right. We, we live in a society where our children are growing up and they're told that if you don't accept this, you're wrong. And listen to me, parents, we need to raise our children steadfast, unmovable. We, we can't compromise as we see society, their wickedness. And, and there was a family, that, that family was, was Mr. and Mrs. Noah back in Genesis, that, that all the world was wicked. And, and, and I want you to remind you that verse, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You and I ought to find grace in the eyes of the Lord as the world is going, it's, it's conditioned, and it just seems like it's spiraling out of control. There still should be families that are steadfast, unmovable, built upon the word of God. You can still raise godly children in this society. Noah did, and so can you. The, the, the excuse that, that society is so bad and society is so wicked, it's impossible to raise godly children, that's just an excuse and it's a lie. You can still raise God. Listen, husbands and wives, you can still have godly marriages in 2019. Noah did. 
It got so wicked and so immoral in the days of Noah that God sent a flood and destroyed everything outside of Noah's family. I think Noah probably could have had an excuse just like, just like uh, 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 we today. Well, look how wicked the world is. But, but Noah found grace and, and he, because he remained steadfast. He remained unmovable. And for 120 years, you know what he did? He, he was doing the work of the Lord. And his children were saved. And listen to me, as we see society at an unbelievable, unbelievable pace. Just going so far out of control. Paul calls for the church to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen to me, now is not a time to give up on serving God. It's a time to stay steadfast. Someone says this, it just seems hopeless. What's the use? How do you think Noah felt? How do you think Noah felt for all those years building that ark? You, you don't think that there's days it seemed hopeless? You don't think there's days that Noah thought, what's the use? But he stayed steadfast. In church, how do we respond to these events that are taking place? We respond in Christian love. We respond by remaining steadfast. I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians in chapter number five, if you would please, just a book over, 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Everybody awake? 2 Corinthians chapter five. In verse number 20, the Bible says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. I, I like that word ambassador. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador represents another country in a foreign land. So what our ambassadors do is our ambassadors leave their nation, this country, and they go and they represent our country in a foreign land. They re represent our, I, I was gonna say that they represent our morals and values, but that's not saying much today, is it? We are ambassadors for Christ. We don't represent this place. We're representatives of heaven. And we are supposed to live representing the morals and the principles of God's word. How, how do we respond? Number one, we respond out of Christian love. Number two, we respond by being steadfast. Number three, we respond as ambassadors of Christ. I, I want to remind each and every one of us that we don't represent ourselves. We re represent Jesus Christ. You are here upon this earth, if you're a child of God, not to live your life, not to do your will, not to have your desires fulfilled. You are here to represent heaven. You're here to represent the word of God. You're here to represent Jesus Christ. 
We're to live out the values of Christ. We're, at, we're to live out the morals, the, the principles of God's word. In every place you go, whether it's your neighborhood or whether it's work or whether it's church or whether it's play, wherever you are, wherever you go, you never give up the fact that you are an ambassador of Christ. Everything we're involved in, we represent Christ. Listen, it's not time for Christians to, 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 to be silent about their witness. Every, every one of your neighbors ought to know that you're a child of God, you're a Christian. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Listen, everybody in your workplace, you say, it, it's tough kind of, it's tough witnessing at work. It's tough, you know, to, to be religious at work. Listen, there's not a call to be religious. There's a call to be an ambassador. There's a difference. There's a call. Every single person you know ought to know that you're a Christian. Every single person around you ought to know that you don't represent yourself, that you represent Jesus Christ. Everyone, everyone around. We represent him in prayer. I want you to see this, if you would, in verse number 20 again. Uh, now, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. You know how we ought to be ambassadors? Through prayer through prayer. Listen, the condition of our country ought to cause us to spend more time on our knees. Listen, if we're not, we're not going to see this fought. I, I, sat, I sat in a meeting on Friday with an organization, a pro-life organization, and they called and asked if I would come and 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 speak and planning and, and be a part of some event that they're going to be planning here in the Toledo area in the next few months. And they're putting all these things together and what we reminded each other as we sat there, we could do all kinds of work and plan all kinds of events, but real power comes from prayer. Christian, in these days, in these times, we need to have callous knees. We need to be people of prayer. I'm convinced more than ever that the church needs to be a people of prayer. This, this power that we need isn't going to come from any other source outside of God. The strength that we need isn't going to come from any other place outside of God. The revival that's needed in our church and in our nation is not going to come outside of God. And to get a hold of God, it's done through, through fervent prayer. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're a praying people. And secondly, I want you to see as ambassadors of Christ, we're a forgiving people. He says this, and be reconciled to God. You know, our message ought to be a message of forgiveness. A message, a message of reconciling people back to God. That's what ambassadors of Christ would do. And lastly, I need to be done here this morning. Lastly, number four, I would say this. Number one, we need to have Christian love. Number two, we must remain steadfast. Number three, we are ambassadors of Christ. And number four, church, I, I challenge us to remain focused. Focused. I read, was sitting in a restaurant this week and I was speaking of these things. I was so aggravated like many, many of you and 
in talking about these issues and the condition of our, I just, just frustrated. Sitting at this table, talking about these events, spent the entire lunch talking about just the condition of our nation, condition of society. Got the check, paid the bill, began to walk out of this restaurant. And the Holy Spirit of God convicted me as I was walking out that door. Nick, you spent an entire hour complaining about society. And the person that sat there and waited on you, you didn't even care enough to give her the gospel. You see, if we're not careful, we can get focused on the wrong thing. In my heart, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I walked back in and told the, the waitress, I'm sorry. Because I'm sure she heard me complaining. I'm sure she heard the conversation that was taking place and nothing was said that was wrong. But in that, I was focused on something while my focus should have been on her soul. And I apologized to her, gave her a gospel track and told her the most important thing was where she was gonna spend eternity. And if I wasted an hour of my time while she heard me complain, I'm sorry, but God loves her. And I then presented the gospel to her. Listen to me, church, we need to remain focused. Number one, we need to remain focused on the gospel. Number two, I want you to write this down. Go with me to 2 Peter 3.18, if you would, please. 2 Peter 3.18. We find this, Peter writes, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Number one, we need to be focused on the gospel. Number two, we need to be focused on growing in the gospel. Listen, we ought to be growing as Christians. Growing in grace. This is Peter. You talk about focus. This is Peter that after, after he denied Christ and after Christ was, was, was crucified and placed in the grave, you know what Peter said? I'm going fishing. Po Peter got his focus off the right thing and got his focus on the wrong thing. He was discouraged. He's questioning this. I mean, you, you talk about a time, Peter was living in a time where they took Jesus and they crucified Jesus and, and Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was lied about. They were living in an oppressed society. Israel, uh, the Roman Empire was controlling Israel and Jerusalem at that time. He was living in, 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 in a very oppressed society. He was living in a, in a society that just crucified the Savior. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. And what Jesus do? He got Peter and he got Peter back and got his focus back. And Peter now is writing to the, to the church and he, and he writes this. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what he was saying? 
saying, keep your focus right. In times of persecution, keep your focus right. In times of oppression, keep your focus right. In times where you don't understand society, in times where it seems society is wicked and evil and out of control, keep growing in Christ. Don't give up. Keep growing, church. Now is not a time for us to say, you know what, society, we can't do anything about it. It, it just seems useless, and I, I'm just going to survive now. No, now is a time for the church to thrive. Now is a time for the church to remain focused. We are beginning a, a new discipleship uh, program here at our church. And the reason why we're doing that is because I know that the world seems like it's spiraling out of control. I know Jesus Christ can come back at any moment. But until then, I want us to be deeper into the word of God than we've ever been before. I want us to understand truths like we've never understood before. I want us to build lives and homes and a church upon the word of God deeper and rooted more than we've ever done before. I think that with the condition of society, we need, we need to be focused on the gospel. We need to be focused on the growing in the gospel, and we need to be focused on giving out the gospel. Mark 16, 15 says this, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need to be focused on the word of God. We need to be focused on growing and we need to be focused on giving the gospel. Listen, what is going to change society is the gospel message. That's truth. And we as Christians, we cannot be silent in sharing the gospel with a lost and dying world. Truth, the word of God, must be our focus. It must be lived, it must be rooted, and it must be told. And so church, how do we, how do we face the difficult, wicked, evil situations we find our world in, our country in? Christian love, steadfastness, remembering that we are ambassadors of Christ, we represent Jesus Christ we ought to be ambassadors in prayer. We ought to be ambassadors in reconciliation. And we must remain focused in giving out the gospel, sharing the gospel, and being rooted and grounded in truth.